This is a fourth hand production. So you have the sense of an individual that's fundamentally interconnected within the whole stream. So you have an individual, but at the same time, there is no individual. And that's the way I think about reality now, which I didn't used to before, that we are all whirlpools within the stream. We have the sense of being an individual and there's a fluidness between all of us. So if water is consciousness, then if some of the water from my whirlpool gets into another person's whirlpool, that's analogous to a telepathic or a psychic effect. It's completely plausible within this framework. It's not paranormal. Story in the news today. You believe in ghosts and the paranormal? Now, are they are they UFOs or are they like some crazy experimental, you know, governmental? I don't uh, know. Planes that they're building. Police in Española are catching more than just criminals. They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts. There's this weird animal-like creature that was shot, wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd ways. And welcome everybody to Strange Uncles. I'm Shane. I'm John. Uh, and he is the wait, Lord. Who? <laughs> yeah, right. Who? Who? Uh, who? I was speaking of who. So here's a funny story. Um, Friday night, where and we don't usually see these here. I mean, we do sometimes, but I was really kind of set it back a bit. The wife is like looking out the kitchen window. We've got a backyard. And we've got you know a power line that goes from the garage over type thing. Um, Humble brag. Kind of secluded. Yeah, right. Uh, and she goes, "Hey, get over here. You got to look at this." She goes, "I don't know what this is." And I go out there, and it's an owl that literally, like, turned its head. Over. And if you've ever seen, I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen an owl. But this one, it, its back was facing us, and it literally turned its head almost completely around to look at us and just sat there and stared. And at 10 o'clock at night on a Friday, not You done got abducted, son. Yeah. I was about to say, yeah. Do you have any missing time? I Yeah, I didn't sleep good that night for sure. So I don't know. And then I told the wife that. She's like, oh, whatever. That's all made up. And I'm like, oh, is it now? So, you know, there's that. I have a theory that owls evolved a super bendy neck so that they could give everyone, like, super crazy attitude and just be like, looking well at you it worked over their shoulders it know? worked god it freaked me the fuck out because i've never seen it i just never seen that close i mean it was like right there it was crazy and usually they're kind of skittish but i don't know i don't know they made good for a friday night that's for sure so anyway but welcome everybody welcome john and josh um last episode hopefully everybody liked that we actually had some good comments back from uh, a couple of our patreon listeners that Fucking was better have i know right yeah it took a lot of time to research i think it turned out good and again if you guys have not uh, listened to it you can go back it's basically the life and times of john mack um very eclectic individual and very kind of i mean odd speaking of this episode because you know we speak about deja vu and things and I say is it synchronistic that yeah, we're doing this and right then it seems, or is it just you know i don't i don't know or is it just extremely it just random planning on shane's part yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well let's let's say synchronistic i like to go with that that realm for sure well i mean we yeah. were supposed to record something else last week and we couldn't so yeah true very true yeah yeah we all kind of tied up a little bit um very interesting the john mack thing and then of course the uh, guest we had on we have on this episode uh, mentioned john mack at, at a couple occasions and, and so oh, funny you should say that last episode so i don't know you know 
something you said about how things kind of lie in lie in play. You know, I don't know. Something you said. But anyway, um, I will be seeing you guys next week uh, in public and in live. Uh, I'll be flying to Salt Lake, so we'll hopefully we can get together and um, and do, I believe it's a news episode. Not uh, if I see you first. Yeah, I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> Whipped out a knife there. Damn, busting out a knife. <laughs> yeah, God, didn't do nothing to you, Show man. just got dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, talking about owls and knives and all kinds of funky shit. Well, anyway, so it was a good episode. This one actually is a really good episode, too, I think. So uh, I actually heard this individual on another a podcast. I'll be 100% honest. I listened to you know some other weird podcasts, not just our own, and uh, just loved what he had said because we, we talk about this, and we have talked about this over and over, I think, just amongst us three. And and like you said, John, and, and we can elaborate after we get done with the interview, You know, there's really no answers to these. But somebody that has taken his time, to put things down and kind of put, I guess, his brain on paper to go, look, I don't understand this, but here are my questions. Here's some correlation. Here's some scientific research. You you can't poo-poo all this stuff. I, I don't know. I'm pretty impressive on my side. Yeah, it was a very interesting conversation. It's kind of a frustrating conversation because it's mm. – you know, it leaves more questions than answers. Well, yeah, and it's it's a conversation that's like a lot of conversations you have about just like <clears throat> like the phenomenon in general. It's like, okay, I think I'm right, and I think I've got this backed up fairly scientifically, but like also I can't prove a goddamn thing. Yeah, one way or the other. You yeah. know, like yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. Ask three questions, and and four of them are unanswered. Still, like it just doesn't. Yeah, 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 it seems is like it you coincidence or is it correlation? Does anything mean anything? Yeah. Either it's all a joke or none of it is. I don't know. Yeah, and yeah. I, yeah, and I think that's a frustrating part for me personally is that, well, you know what? I'll talk about this later. I'll talk about this after the thing because I, I did something keeps popping up about, and I, I, we kind of got into it a little bit, but again, we're limited on time and, and uh, want to let him go you know, back to his regular life, whatever that may be. Um, but just a, just a great interview. I don't know if you guys have anything else to add to it or not. You know, feel free by all means. No, let's just get into it. All right. So everybody, uh, we are going to bring up an individual by the name of Mark Gober. Uh, he actually has uh, a few books out. Uh, one that I read, one of his first ones, is called An End Upside Down Thinking. Um, we've got to we introduce him on a quick intro. I read that book. It was very well just laid out. Again, his his just his thoughts on paper, what that looks like. He's got two other books after that, and he's got a great podcast that we mentioned in the interview as well. Um, and this whole conversation is about consciousness, which, again, absolute loaded gun. So, everybody, welcome to uh, interview with Mark Gober. Open the gates. Gober is an international speaker and the author of An End to Upside Down Thinking, which was awarded the IPPY Best Science Book of 2019, as well as two other books, An End to Upside Down Living and An End to Upside Down Liberty. He also has a podcast called Where is My Mind, where he asks the question, 
what is consciousness? He explores compelling scientific evidence to help answer this question from a diverse set of disciplines, ranging from psychic phenomena to near-death experiences to quantum physics and beyond. Been waiting for Mark a long time to come on. I appreciate your time, sir. Can't wait to pick your brain about everything. And welcome to Strange Uncles. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I, you know, so I stumbled on you on, on a, another forum, basically, uh, that you were part of. And then, of course, uh, I've got through your first book, which is The End Upside Down Thinking. I've, I've ordered the other one. Um, you know, we always talk about this on the show between John and Josh and I. We never really dive into it. We never see, we never have anybody on that necessarily can explain the others, what does this look like? You know, everybody assumes that your brain does this, your brain does that. And so having you on it is fantastic. Uh, I can't wait to kind of get into it. And I guess on your side, uh, if you can just kind of explain how, because you didn't start like this. You were into something completely different, and then you had a rabbit hole that you went down, and and that whole story in itself is something else if you want to just kind of go into it a bit. Sure. Yeah, I never expected to be speaking about these topics, I had very different interests and the rabbit hole continues to this day. It hasn't ended. The mystery is uh, ongoing. But my background, um, I went to Princeton undergrad, very traditional academic upbringing, went into investment banking like many of my classmates in New York and worked at one of the large banks during the financial crisis. So I started in the summer of 2008. Fun. <laughs> it was yeah, right. <laughs> it was brutal. It's brutal to begin with, even if you don't have the uh, the crisis going on. But it, it yeah. was even tougher than just uh, not sleeping, you know. But I signed up for it. It's an I was a voluntary employee, but I, you know I didn't know what else to do. I would just kind of a I mean, lot what of do my, you do, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I learned. I definitely learned. As tough as it was, that's how things go. Yeah. But I knew it wasn't for me long term. I knew like professionally, I just. Uh, there were so many aspects of it that were not for me, even though I did learn. So I decided to leave and joined a company where I spent 10 years and was doing somewhat similar stuff in business, but focused on the technology sector and intellectual property. So helping companies with their patents. So it was a bit more intellectually stimulating because we were looking at new inventions in so many different industries. And I did enjoy that, but there was still the more traditional business aspect of just advising companies and doing some mergers and acquisitions and strategy consulting. So still very mainstream. Wasn't thinking about consciousness then for sure. <laughs> uh, but it started for me this, this path while I was working at my firm, which I've since left. Uh, but this path began while I was still working. In 2016, I was, I was listening to podcasts, but as I, I discussed more in my second book and into Upside Down Living, I talked more about my personal journey. There were a lot of things in my life that were not fully going my way, like professionally, some deals that I worked on that didn't go the way that I wanted, some stuff in my personal life, lots of things converging where um, I wasn't super happy. And combined with the fact that I had a worldview, which I thought was scientifically backed up, which said that life is meaningless and random, that who cares anyway, here. because yeah, we're, we're just, all going to die. Yeah, we're just here, just kind of <laughs> floating around on this big rock. There really isn't anything to it type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, There's nothing to it. So why do I even exist? So it's like all these things swirling together. And I guess getting to this point where I felt like I was on a treadmill, I had accomplished a lot of things that I wanted to accomplish, even though I wasn't accomplishing all of them. And I would find that my like happiness level would return to some mean <laughs> in psychology and in other things, they call it reversion to the mean. Um, you just like come back to this baseline level so I'm like, well, life doesn't mean anything. What am I, why am I working so hard? What, what am I striving for? 
And I was listening to podcasts because they were starting to get bigger around that time. Like they were a bit somewhat new in 2016, not like they are today. Um, and listening to just like some business shows and a few alternative health shows. One in particular, it's called Extreme Health Radio. They interviewed a woman who claimed she had psychic abilities. Hmm. And I heard this, I think it was in August of 2016, and the interview itself was from January. So I just like happened to listen to that one because I listened to other interviews on that show. And the woman was speaking about her abilities. Her name's Laura Powers um, in a very nonchalant way. Just like, oh, yeah, these are the things I do for my clients. I advise them on all this like paranormal stuff. And I, it wasn't like my worldview changed overnight. But I just remember being super interested because after a while she was talking, I'm like, wait a second, if that's pretty wild if, if any of those things are true that she's saying. So at the, I listened to the whole interview. And at the very end, she said, well, I have my own podcast called Healing Powers, where I talk mm-hmm. about these topics with other people. So I said, okay, I'm going to turn check out that podcast. And I ended up listening to all of her episodes dating from 2016 back to 2011. Oh, wow. They're pretty short. And I would listen to them driving from work from San Francisco down to Silicon Valley, lots of traffic. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, what's going on here? There's so many people that are describing all this stuff. Like they can't all be in cahoots because they come from different backgrounds and they don't all sound delusional. Like a lot of them sound really intelligent and they have professional backgrounds and all this, you know, I I was so confused. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I said, I got to research this. And then I started reading books, looking at scientific papers, and I saw there was a reality to it. And that's what led me down this path. Um, A year later in the summer of 2017, I wrote the book and end upside down thinking, uh, which was published in 2018. Did a lot of interviewing, so interviewing scientists in this realm and people that have had the experiences for my podcast, Where Is My Mind, which came out in 2019. Oh, yeah. At the end of 2019, I decided I was so passionate about this stuff that I wanted to leave my firm. So I transitioned out actually right before the pandemic really hit, wrote my second book and end upside down living, and then more recently have written a book on uh, connecting consciousness to politics and economics called An End Upside Down Liberty. So can I ask a quick question, by the way, you know, I, and I guess more joking than anything, did you tell your firm why you're, what you were leaving for? Like, yeah. was that even, and, and so it was a reaction on their side. Cause obviously this is something that's not a everyday, you know, conversation type thing. Yeah. Great question. And because it wasn't an everyday conversation, it was a very difficult one for me to, to have. I had spent so much of my career with uh, my, they were my business partners. I was a partner at the time I left mm-hmm. and the firm was pretty new when I joined. It had spun out from one of the big consulting firms to, to, to focus in this area of intellectual property. So there's a lot of loyalty and a lot of experiences we had together, but they knew that I was working on other things. Like I had already published my first book and my podcast. Okay. Um, so they, it wasn't like a total shock, I think, but <laughs> I had invested so much into it and we had a good relationship. It wasn't like they were doing something wrong. Um, so it was, it was tough, but I think they understood what was going on. It wasn't like I was going to a competitor. And what was weird for me, Shane, and still is, is that I was leaving without knowing what was next. It was more that mm-hmm. I felt like this, um, I don't know how to explain it, like almost an, uh, an energetic non-resonance. Like I just couldn't spend so much time on that material when it wasn't of the same interest to me, where I had this passion elsewhere. So I needed to to basically free myself energetically to see what would be next. And two books have come out. Yeah, and, and I will say too the the first book, the uh, the end upside down thinking, um, fantastic. I how so it's worth picking up. You know, it's great. It's broken down well. How you did it, Mark? Where it 
it doesn't quite go on the textbook level, but it's really like line item. The quotes you have in there, uh, the people you got professionals that, that had quotes and their viewpoints and what you have. I, I just want to give you kudos on that because that took a load of work. I can imagine just studying that, putting that together and putting that out. So, you know, that, that first of all, it's just great. Thank you. I appreciate it. And also the context when I was writing that book, still very, very much in the business world mm-hmm. and feeling a bit self-conscious about writing on that topic, even though I felt like I needed to do it, I needed to make sure it was done in a scientifically rigorous manner so that people wouldn't think I was totally nuts talking about, you know, consciousness surviving after we die and psychic abilities. Um, And also just my business background and working, you know, advising boards of directors and senior management, I would get asked questions all the time. And it's like, what's your source for that? So I have this background of use. I'm used to being interrogated almost. Yeah, and yeah. that was probably embedded into all my books. You, you kind of got to have a little bit, huh, you know, defense, I suppose. You know, at least yeah. your ducks in a row as far as how you're doing it and what, what you perceive. Because this is a fringe field. It still is. I mean, and even as far, and we can get into it, but, you know, it's starting to grasp hold in scientific fields and other things. Um, just not quite there yet, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, are you, just out of curiosity, are you still in contact with your... Uh, previous uh, uh, business partners and everything? Is that still a, how does that relationship look? Yeah, it's been good. I mean, we're focused on different things, but, mm-hmm. you know, very amicable, fortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was working with a, a great team, really talented team. And in normal circumstances, it would have been like an ideal career track. And it was in many ways, but I just, I shifted. Yeah. yeah. It's a gutsy move. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this is a pretty simple, simplistic and also technical question but what 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 is consciousness to you yeah yeah let's go down that road i mean where you put this kind of upside down a bit um let's look at that like what did you find in all your your study and your research and and where you stand at now yeah it's a great question john and it's one that i will try to answer but i think it's almost unanswerable with human language that's one of the big challenges consciousness as i think about it is our sense of experiencing It's our subjective inner awareness. So right now, my consciousness is what is having the experience of this conversation. Consciousness is what hears, what sees, what listens to my thoughts. That's consciousness. And it's difficult to describe because it's not physical. Like I can touch my table, but I can't touch consciousness. I can touch my leg. Consciousness is abstract and non-physical. And this leads to the central question of my first book, my podcast, and it blends and bleeds into my second two books is, well, how is it possible then? We all have consciousness. We know that we're conscious because we're all experiencing, but it's a not, not a physical thing. How could it be that something physical like a human body and more specifically a human brain could produce something that's not physical? How does that happen? And the open secret I've learned is that science doesn't have a good answer to that question. In, in fact, Science Magazine has said it's the number two question that still remains in all of science. Really? Wow. I'll be damned. Well, and that's still something where no, and I, I could be, again, you know, this is, your, you're, you're the expert here. Uh, we really haven't, as far as us scientists, whatever have you, it came out and just flat out said, hey, look, the brain makes consciousness. This is what the brain does. We know that for sure. We know that's a thing. Like that just, that hasn't been, that really hasn't been finalized. Correct. 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 What has been well established is that there are, they're called NCCs, neural correlates of consciousness, meaning that if you stimulate one part of the brain, we know what's going to happen to your consciousness. Or if you damage the part of the brain that's responsible for your vision, you might have a change in your 
the way you see the world out of your eyes. So there's this tight correlation that exists. But what scientists acknowledge is that we don't know if that means that the brain is actually producing the experience. And the analogy I like to give, it's from a philosopher named Dr. Bernardo Castrup. He says, look, if you have a fire, there are firefighters that show up. And if you have a larger fire, there are more firefighters that show up. In other words, there's a strong correlation between the size of the fire and the number of firefighters that show up. But just because there's a correlation, we don't conclude that the firefighters are causing the fire. There's another relationship between the two. And what many neuroscientists and even philosophers tend to do is say, look, there's such strong correlations between brain activity and conscious experience. It just must be the case that the brain is actually producing it. When in fact, I would argue there's a lot of evidence that it's the reverse. The brain is almost like an antenna receiver transmitter, or more specifically, like a filter or even a blindfold, meaning that there's a broader reality and the brain acts as a limiter to what we perceive. It's almost the reverse of what they say, that the brain produces consciousness. I would say the brain actually limits what we can perceive. Hmm. Wow. So if- really interesting. <laughs> um, so would you, I'm trying to think of how to ask it, but like, so what you're basically saying is uh, correlation doesn't equal causation and that um, just because two things are present doesn't mean they're related. And I completely agree with you on all of that. Um, and honestly, like, I, I think it's really interesting that you bring up the idea of it as a filter to you. Um, it kind of fits in with some other like random, weird tertiary UFO research stuff. So, um, but sorry, that was more of a comment than a question. Um <laughs> please go on. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, you're raising an important point that I've looked at a lot. There, basically, there are a number of phenomena which align with this idea that when you get the brain out of the way, there are experiences that some would call paranormal. To me, I don't like the term paranormal because it assumes that we know what normal is and it's always changing because science is changing. Um, but it seems like reality is opened up in new ways, whether it's so it, it can be a variety of what people would call mystical experiences. The near-death experience might be the most dramatic, where a person's brain is completely turned off. Let's say they're in cardiac arrest or something, or it's barely functioning, and yet the person has an enriched consciousness. It's realer than real. It's like the reverse of what you'd expect. Another example is savant syndrome. So these are people with incredible mathematical abilities, musical abilities. It's like in the movie Rain Man, Dustin Hoffman. You know, there were impairments in his brain in some ways, but he was incredible in other ways. So you have this reverse, wait, it's less brain, but more consciousness. Psychedelics research, which is ongoing, the researchers are finding evidence of reductions in brain functioning associated with an enriched consciousness during the trip. Another example, terminal lucidity. These are cases where a person, let's say they've had Alzheimer's disease, totally out of it, they have brain damage, and shortly before death, they snap back into clarity as if nothing happened. They have a conversation with their family members, which they haven't had in years, like nothing happened. So really? you've got a damaged brain and you've got a clear consciousness. So there are these paradoxes mm -hmm. that fit better if we say it's not correlation does not equal causation. I mean, sometimes correlation does equal causation. So you have to consider it. In yeah. this case, I would say there's a lot of evidence for the reverse. Well, like uh, this is a, a purely anecdotal case. I don't even remember who it was supposedly happened to, but some guy allegedly suffered a like head injury and went in to get like a CT scan. And it turned out that he didn't actually have a physical brain. Like he had a brain stem, but his 
uh, skull cavity was basically full of like amniotic fluid or whatever. And, but he was like a f- normal dude, like no functional issues whatsoever. You know, he just didn't have like the organ, you know? Yes. Um, and then I also just recently saw that as a meme about orange cats. So who knows if it's, <laughs> is that real? I mean, it doesn't sound like it could be. No. But... <laughs> I don't yeah, know, man. I've I've heard the case, and there apparently was a doctor that investigated it. I mentioned it in my second book. I oh. mean, to me, if that were the only example, I would be more skeptical of it. But there are other right. examples right. that make make me think, well, maybe it's true. Maybe even if that one case isn't true, it doesn't negate the rest of it. Sure. Yeah, or maybe like exaggerated. Well, yeah, and and you know, you talk about Alzheimer's patients. I mean, that's a very very good example. I've heard that over and over again, where all of a sudden they, they, within, you know, moments of death, they're cognizant. And something you yeah. talked in your book, um, actually, we'll get into it. I don't stick out. I'm so sorry, Mark. I have so full questions. I don't even know where to start here. So let's go with this. Let's go with the whole idea that the brain is an antenna. It was designed as such. You used an analogy in your book. You used a, f- a phrase in your book talking about um, uh, a river of water and how that looks. Do you want to go through that? Because I think that's the best way kind of it to explain this principle kind of on a basic level. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Thanks for mentioning it because it's really critical to the framework. And and I should emphasize, this is an analogy or a metaphor. So it's not precise, but it's a way to take something that's really abstract and hopefully get a grasp for it. And this comes from uh, Dr. Bernardo Castro, again, the philosopher, um, who says that all reality is like a stream of water where the analogy is that water is consciousness. So we're in this infinite stream where there are whirlpools and the whirlpool is like the individual. So you have the sense of an individual that's fundamentally interconnected within the whole stream. So you have an individual, but at the same time, there is no individual. And that's the way I think about reality now, which I didn't used to before, that we are all whirlpools within the stream. We have a sense of being an individual and there's a fluidness between all of us. So if water is consciousness, then if some of the water from my whirlpool gets into another person's whirlpool, that's analogous to a telepathic or a psychic effect. It's completely plausible within this framework. It's not paranormal. And likewise, let's say a whirlpool stops being a whirlpool, meaning it delocalizes. If the water flows back into the broader stream, it's very similar to the idea that when the physical body dies, consciousness itself doesn't die. So the person's essence continues just in a new form. And similarly, um, there can be recycling of water within the stream. So you could that, which is suggestive of reincarnation, at least thematically. And there's scientific evidence for that too. That you're one whirlpool, and then you become a different whirlpool and have a different localized experience. So can we say that that really correlates with the same fact that energy doesn't ever get destroyed? It just converts into something else and recycles. It's the same premise, right? Yes. Yeah. It easily could be an analogy. Yeah. Well, so I got a question and I'll ask towards and I wrote it down because I don't want to forget about it, but let's, let's go through some of these things. So we talk about, you know, obviously this podcast, we talk about a little bit of everything we've had psychics on, we've had, uh, uh, people that talked about past life, uh, lives, things like that. Like we, we've kind of covered the gamut and, and again, in your book, don't want to reference it too much, but, but again, and into upside down thinking up oh, fantastic. Let's knock these down individually because I think that's where people, they talk about psychics. You know, uh, hacks, da da da. And I'm sure that if you look on that as a broad spectrum, eh, there are probably some people in there that aren't really very trustworthy. They're doing it for other reasons. But when we talk about psychics in general, in in what you have studied, 
what does that look like for you in regards to consciousness? How does that correlate the two together? So to me, psychic abilities are, are basically a, a way of accessing things outside of your whirlpool, outside, accessing consciousness beyond your individual self, which blows up the whole idea that the brain produces consciousness because that implies that consciousness is stuck in our skull. And when your brain shuts off, there should be no consciousness. So the way I think about it is that the abilities are innate in all of us, but they're often very subtle. So many of the studies that I reference on psychic abilities are small effects, but when you use statistics, they're extremely significant. So an example I like to give, and by the way, this fits in the category of uh, what Dr. Dean Radin from the Institute of Noetic Sciences calls a six sigma statistical result. Six sigma means the odds that it occurs just by chance is more than a billion to one. So this is one of those things in other areas of science, you'd say, okay, this is a real effect. But because we're talking about crazy things, a lot of people will dispute it. The, the classic study, to simplify it, is you have two people separated. And these are not people claiming to have psychic abilities. Usually they're like college sophomores or something. Uh, one person, we'll call him Bob, is in a room by himself. And he's put into a very relaxed state because many researchers say that when you're more relaxed... It's a way of kind of shutting down the brain activity, meaning making you more receptive. So he's in this. So like, that's why meditation, for example, people say you can become more psychic through that and, and do more things. So he's in this relaxed state and there's another person, we'll call her Jane in another room. And she's shown an image of something. And the researchers say, Jane, I want you to try to use your mind to send what you're looking at to Bob in the other room. And Bob doesn't know what she's looking at. So she does it for a while. And Bob, after, after a period of time, is shown four images. And the researchers say, which of the four was Jane trying to mentally send to you in the other room? And if there were no effect at all, we would guess that the person in Bob's room would guess correctly roughly one out of four times or should approach that 25% because it should just be chance. There should be no information that's, that flows. When in reality, the studies converge toward 32 or 33%. Which yeah, that's much higher than chance. Statistically, yeah. it's massive, which means that there's something that's getting through. Mm-hmm. Somehow, somewhere. Now, and I think it was on your podcast, and I, I excuse me for not really knowing, but I believe you had a researcher on that would do double-blind studies that were similar to this, where literally they took she took every single factor out of what it possibly could be, separated everything, and still had results come to the board. Yes. And that's specifically with regard to the, the psychic phenomenon of mediumship, mm-hmm. of, of alleging to communicate with a consciousness that's no longer in a body, like a dead person. And the way that she did it, because most people say that's rubbish, right? There's, there's no way that can happen. Hear it often. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's called the Windbridge Research Center, by the way, where they study this systematically, like okay. very rigorous scientific studies. And again, they're looking at statistics where she, Dr. Beischel, gets on the phone with the person claiming to be a medium. So the person who has a deceased relative isn't even on the phone. And she gives the first name of the deceased person and then asks the, the, the alleged medium questions. And what they find is that the medium somehow is able to get information about the dead person beyond what chance would predict statistically. And that doesn't mean that every psychic is legit. doesn't mean that every psychic is right about every fact. It means that they're getting things that they shouldn't get. Mm-hmm. based on you know what chance would tell us they should get. Again, you go back to that percentage. I mean, 30-something yeah. odd percent, that's, that's pretty huge if you think about it. Yeah. You know, 
I mean, just, yes. so um, let's jump into this a bit. Uh, remote viewing, you know, we find, we talk about psychics, we talk about, you know, blind studies, all that thing. We've actually did an episode on remote viewing. We've actually had an uh, expert that was part of the, um, uh, he was part of the army, he was part of some of the research team that was part of that. Does that kind of coincide the same thing? What the government asked them to do, what the results were? Otherwise, why, w- I mean, how long did those programs last? Years. Millions Years. of dollars, you know? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. For my podcast, I interviewed Russell Targ, who was one of the leaders of the program starting in the 70s. No. And so he was like, look, we, it was roughly two decades. We spent $25 million. Don't tell me this wasn't real. I saw it. <laughs> there are lots of people that were doing crazy things. And what's different about the remote viewers and the government program versus, let's say, the, the telepathy study that I mentioned, it's known as the Gonsfeld experiment, G-A-N-Z-F-E-L-D. Um, the difference here is that the Gonsfeld and many other studies like it will have just everyday people involved in the study. Whereas with the, with the U.S. government, they were getting the superstars. And that's how I look at psychic abilities. Right. It's like a spectrum. Anyone can dribble a basketball, but not everyone is LeBron James or Michael Jordan. Some people have an innate ability, which also with training can be enhanced. Mm-hmm. So you've got people that are superstars in, in psychic abilities who are being trained properly with the right meditation techniques and everything who seemed to be able to do things that were wild. And one of the examples that um, I often like to reference is that the former U.S. president, Jimmy Carter, confirmed that psychics were used to find a downed Russian bomber that was lost in an African jungle. And the radar systems couldn't find it because the radar systems weren't as strong at the time. So they used remote viewers. And what's interesting about that is that they didn't know where where this down bomber was. Whereas in many of the other studies, the experimenter knows where, let's say a person's hiding somewhere and they say to the remote viewer, draw where this person is. At least in that case, someone in the experiment knows mm-hmm. where, what, the, what the answer is. With this yeah. example uh, that Jimmy Carter talks about, no one in the, in, the, in the US technically knew where it was and they were able to find it. That's so funny. He was actually one of the first presidents to admit that he saw a UFO too, you know? Out of, out of most of them. And flat out, he said, look, I don't know what I saw, but I can tell you what, a, what it looked like. And just, you know, very interesting. So um, if you don't mind, Mark, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're coming back. We're full of questions. Uh, we want to cover, again, some of the more, you know, what else this ties into and then, uh, and then set up for more stuff. So if you can stay with us for a little bit, uh, we will be back, everyone. Stand by. Believe in UFOs? Felt that chill up your spine that you just can't explain? Contemplate the other side of reality. Do you shake your head at the world that seems to have lost its common sense? Well, look no further than Strange Uncles. Find them on all podcast platforms and call their hotline to tell your side of reality at 801-252-6945. Open the gates. All right, and we were back with Mark Gober. Um, again, fantastic uh, talking about this, speaking about consciousness. Uh, you know, and, and personally, I don't, I always, I can't say always, there's people in this world that they go through life and they just kind of, you know, they go to work, they clock in, they clock out, they go home, they watch a football game, they go to bed. This is their life. I, I, I personally have never been one of those people, John and Josh, kind of the same. It's one of the reasons we do this podcast and we research and read the books we do because it's fascinating. There's got to be something else out there. There's got to be things to explain. 
what we were talking about previously in regards to, uh, you mentioned NDE, we talked about psychics, we talked about remote viewing, that all these seem to check the box if you look in consciousness this other way. What else do we have underneath that umbrella? So the way that I, I divide it up in my book, and the argument that I make is that if any one of the phenomena is true, right, then we're going to have a much harder time explaining it by saying the brain produces consciousness, whereas it's very easy to explain it using the stream analogy. Some would call it non-local consciousness, that consciousness can extend beyond the brain and that we're interconnected. So, and I group the, the different effects in, in two major buckets. One is psychic abilities and the other is survival of bodily death. And in my first book, An End Upside Down Thinking, each chapter actually goes through these. So one by one. So in the category of psychic abilities, there's remote viewing, telepathy, precognition, which is knowing or sensing the future before it happens, the ability for animals to do this stuff, including work by Dr. Rupert Sheldrake, psychokinesis, which is the ability for the mind to impact matter, meaning you're not touching it, but your mind can somehow influence the physical world. That's the category. That's the psychic uh, functioning category. Mm-hmm. With regard to survival of bodily death, the, th- the three main areas I looked at were near-death experiences, mediumship, and after-death communications, and children who have past life memories. That oh, I want to talk about that a little bit because that is fascinating. You had a, a, a well, you had a couple scientists, but when you when you look at that view of of children that have, and it's been proven that literally that they have, you know describe this verbatim. They've seen a picture of themselves 40 years prior. They are, they were in a war. This happened. Their plane got downed. How did your research cut, stumble on that? Like, how did you put that into this whole consciousness talk? Because that's something that, I mean, one could argue that that's not necessarily, that necessarily does explain it, but at the same time it does because they're doing the same thing that you're discussing. They're picking it out of whatever ether is out there. Yeah. You're raising a really important point, which is that, these phenomena that I just listed off, they, they in some ways sound disconnected, mm-hmm. but to me, they're connected in that they're all suggestive of consciousness beyond the brain in different ways. So it's sort of like triangulating using different data points, even though they're not identical and they have, they have significant differences, like a child theoretically tapping into a previous life somehow and describing facts that are historically validated. And the researchers at the University of Virginia can say, look, yeah, there was a person that this, that this little kid is describing. That's very different than someone in remote viewing in the US government program, which by the way, there are just declassified CIA documents, which say remote viewing is a real phenomenon. I should mention yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah. So anyone can see that in their writing and they say the implications are revolutionary. So, so what actually one of the reasons I, I decided to write the book, because when I started this process, it wasn't about writing books or speaking about this stuff. Just like you, Shane, I, I'm interested in these topics. There's more out there and I wanted to learn. But I, the things started to congeal for me that there are many phenomena that are demeaned in the mainstream community where this is, oh, this is not true, um, where actually there is a lot of evidence for it. And they all can be explained if we recontextualize how we look at consciousness and the brain. So that's how these all come together. Mm-hmm. So- Here's a million dollar question, I guess, when we when we talk about this. If we know the brain's not creating the consciousness, it's coming from somewhere. What does that look like? Do you have any answers to that? Do you where, what road does that lead us down? Yeah. Well, this is a difficult question to answer because as human beings, we have limitations to what we can perceive 
and what we can even comprehend. So the concept of infinity, we know like mathematically, that's a real thing. But if I tried to explain to you infinity, I can't, I can't even grasp it. My brain won't allow me to. And similarly, my, my eyes only show me a tiny percentage of the electromagnetic spectrum. There's other stuff out there that my eyes can't see and my ears can't hear. So there are limitations to all this. But I, I think what your question is getting at is like, how, what, what's the interface between if our physical body right, and this right. consciousness self, like how is it that it's consciousness is entering? And the answer to me is ultimately going to be some kind of a paradox, just like everything. And a paradox is when you have two things that seem to contradict each other, but they're true at the same time. And that's like where our head explodes because how could that be? <laughs> um, and this is one of those cases because at some level, there's only one stream of consciousness and there's no individual. There's no Mark. There's no Shane. There's no Josh, mm-hmm. no John, just one consciousness. And at the same time, we all exist as individuals, and those existed simultaneously. They're both true. <laughs> and it's like, how could that be? That it's really the ultimate paradox that we're interconnected, but we're not. We're separate, but we're the same at we're the like same the time. Eyeballs on a slug. Yeah, yeah, exactly. God, and I want you to have the answer to give it to, so we could go. Okay, we've solved it. Everybody knows now, you know, but yeah. it's not, I mean, obviously it's not that easy and there's so much. If he had it. the answer, he would be, he the, wouldn't be here. <laughs> the Lord of the humans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I will say, I think there are, there probably will be ways for science to try to figure out this interface because our, we know that our body is somehow interacting with consciousness. We know the brains involved. And like I talked about on Sam's show, tinfoil hat, there are examples of, of people who have um, received organs from other people and they end up the memories transfer sometimes That's and the, the preferences and their and things they like in their life are related to the, uh, the person that the organ came from, even if sometimes they didn't know that the organ came from a person that had that yeah. experience. And also I have questions about DNA. There's so much we don't understand. Like what's junk DNA is DNA involved in, in like the antenna for consciousness. So there's a lot to be explored there. I don't know if we'll ever get to a formal answer, but there um, it's a big issue because if we understood how consciousness flows through the body. There are probably things we could do to our body to enhance our connection. Right. Well, and you talk about meditation, you talk about other things. Do you feel in your research, have you come across when you look at, you know, thousands and thousands of years of humanity, you know, from where we came from, where we're at now, that there was a culture or a group of people that maybe it seemed like they're a little bit more in tune with this more than we are now? Or is there anything like that in, in what you've studied? What's been fascinating for me and maybe one of the biggest proof points that's, that's convinced me in this direction, other than all the science, is that spiritual traditions throughout the ages have talked about a very similar concept, a unified field of consciousness. They talk about paranormal abilities, healing abilities, all this stuff. Um, and it's it, all the cultures do it. Even if they have differences in their specific rituals and beliefs, mm-hmm. there's a core commonality that's been there for a very long time. So I do that's think funny. that this stuff's been out there. And somehow our science has turned things upside down. It's disconnected us somehow. And then there are bigger, bigger questions uh, that I contemplate more in my third book, more conspiratorial questions is like, is this just happening innocently that we don't know about our true nature? Or is there an act of suppression that's trying to keep humanity disempowered? And I actually lean in that direction. Yeah. I tell you, know, honestly, we're, I mean, we can all admit it safely here, right? That we're in some weird fucking times. Like I never would have pictured if you would have handed me this sci-fi book two years ago and said, Hey, read this. It's going to happen. I would have laughed you out of the house, but here we are. 
you know? Yeah. So I, there, there might be something to lend to that, you know, absolutely. You know, it's, and maybe as smart as we get, or we think we are, you know, we've said this before on this podcast that, you know, as smart as human beings are, and, and we make these technological advancements in the last hundred something odd years have, have been tremendous compared to prior. We're, we're dumbing ourselves down in other aspects. And so it almost seems like we're, you know, taking three steps forward, moving two steps back, and, and we, we don't see that occurring. You know, we're losing track of the natural world, I guess, around us, and, and this is part of that. You know, whatever that consciousness may be, you know, and that's that's something to think about. I wrap my mind around it all the time. I, I just don't, you know, I don't understand, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, earlier uh, you mentioned UFOs, mm-hmm. and I, I think if you look at the abduction phenomenon, especially the work of John Mack, Mm-hmm. Harvard psychiatrist, Pulitzer Prize winner, who evaluated cases of people who claimed they were abducted. The implication there is that there is there are intelligences that know this stuff way beyond what we know and have immensely more advanced technology. So the information out, whether it's on this planet or elsewhere in the universe, probably on this planet too, um, it's it's out there, and it's a matter of getting it out to the masses so that people understand more of who they are. Yeah. For sure. We, it's funny you mentioned that because we actually, uh, our last episode, we did an in-depth uh, coverage of John Mack. Oh, walk through his biography. <laughs> yeah, life just, just last week. Uh, literally wow. just last week. Because it's amazing. Here you got a guy who was, he studied, he researched, he is uh, it's like, this is what he, it's all, it's medicinal. This is who he was. And to have him change his viewpoint 360 degrees to, and, and he's chasing anything he could find, whether it was rituals, UFOs, abductions, and really backing their stories up and going, no, you know what? There's something here. You guys can't, yeah. you know, poo-poo this because it, 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 you know, you can't tell me she's making this up. Yeah. So. The overlap is incredible. And there's yeah. so, yeah. such specific details. I mean, his book, Abduction, is really incredible, the amount of detail in that book mm-hmm. and all the cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a shame kind of what he got drugged through because he did get drugged through uh, some horrific shit through his peers and, and his, uh, I mean, nature, right. And the study yeah. of mankind, I suppose. Well, uh, yeah, you speak the truth. The truth is, is often unpopular. Yes. And I've had to grapple yes. with that myself because yeah. I knew anytime I talk about these things and all my books, I'm, I'm contradicting the mainstream paradigms, especially my most recent one on politics. Um, well, but I, I for, to me, it's about doing what I think is right. And having the intention is what's most important. And, and I try not to think about, um, the after effects yeah. too much. Well, let's get into that a little bit too. Let's get about you personally, you know, so obviously, you know, you, you've, you've changed <laughs> drastically for what you were, what you thought your life was going to hold for you. Uh, you've written books, you've done this research. Um, where does this lead you? Do you, you know, this far in this, what started what 2017, 2018 now, are you, are you focused? Are you happy? This is what you did. Is there more to come? Do you feel there's still tons of research out there or, are, are you kind of at a wall at, at this point? Like you've, you've proposed this, but where do we go from here? Yeah, well, it's a great question. It's something I think about all the time myself. It's where, where is this all going? And my approach has been, which is not how I used to be. I used to be such a planner. Like I like to have everything, like I thought I could plan my life, mm-hmm. which is just irrational. And now with my view of consciousness, I think we're all part of a field of not only just consciousness, but it's embedded with immense intelligence, um, and also the near-death experience research and other research suggests that the field of consciousness is made of unconditional love fundamentally. Um, that there is like kind of a guiding force behind all of our lives if we allow it, if we listen to it. So I, I've, I take this very surrendered approach. This is more of my second book and end upside down living of like how I think about living life. 
um, where I don't know exactly where things are going to lead, but I follow my values and I follow passions and intuitions and like what's right in front of me. And so it's a, I don't have a long-term view on where it's going to go. But to your question, the, the more I learn, the more I realized how little I know. So the research for me is, is never ending. I'm still reading constantly, refining my perspectives. I started with the question of consciousness, which is maybe the, the biggest thing that I could ever research or anyone could look at because it's, it's asking the question, what's the nature of reality at the most fundamental level? Mm-hmm. So you can't get more fundamental than that. There are lots of questions outside of that though. So even if you assume we're all consciousness and the evidence keeps pointing there, then like my second book, how do you live your life? The question I ask is, what is the overall intention of your life? That's what I ask the reader and it's what I ask myself. So I try to answer in the book, at least for myself, um, how do I orient my compass for how I'm going to live and what I'm going to value and prioritize? Um, and for me, the answer is ultimately, I'm paraphrasing myself because I go into much more detail, is about my own spiritual evolution because I think that's the most important thing we can do as individuals. And when we do that as individuals, we can then be of service to the collective. So it's like we focus on the individual so that we can help the collective. Um, and then there are bigger other questions societally. And this is my third book mm-hmm. is how should we organize society? If we think about these concepts, if, if we are all interconnected, how are we doing politics and economics properly? I would say no. <laughs> so I offer some pretty <laughs> radical solutions that are long-term. I can't wait. Um, I got to read that. Yeah. One. Yeah. Yeah. Which are, very controversial, of course. Sure, sure. But um, but I think I think philosophically they're in alignment with this idea of consciousness, and it's probably futuristic. But even beyond that, so I asked, mm-hmm. how are we going to organize society? I don't know exactly what the next question is, but there are so many that I have. I mean, like you know, we we're just talking about UFOs. That's a whole other rabbit hole of uncertainty. Like the people that study that in depth, there seems to be a conclusion, which is that well, we don't understand the phenomenon. There's yeah. so much that doesn't make sense because uh, mm-hmm. it's multidimensional, possibly, and who knows, outside of space and time. Um, and then, you know, what's our place in, in the broader, um, if you want to call it a multidimensional universe uh, within, within the context of just this universe? Where do we fit? There's a million questions. What's our history? Yeah. 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 Or, or is there different levels? Is there something like, you know, we live on this dimension, this frequency, but there's something uh, right next door to us that we just are not seeing. And it's part of that consciousness, but it's not part of ours. It's not part of our reality. You know, what's that? What's that look like? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, uh, speaking of UFOs, like uh, John Keel was always talking about what he called was the super spectrum, which is you were kind of hinting at earlier, uh, Mark, where basically it's his unified theory of the phenomenon. But like you said, there are uh, electromagnetic wavelengths that we can't see or hear. Um, There's a lot of stuff happening that we can't physically see or hear. I don't think he got to the point of saying, like, I don't think, I think it's that the brain isn't the seat of consciousness, but he did say something kind of along the lines of um, thinking that like we physically we did have like a filter that kept us from seeing a lot of it. And that's kind of why like you'll get a lot of, uh, a lot of instances where like a UFO will pop in and pop out or like a Bigfoot sighting is kind of the same way. You know what I mean? Where like you can only perceive it for a moment and it hasn't, it's not like it just turned the corner. It like disappears, you know? Yeah. Um, so I always, I don't know. I always thought that was super interesting. You you mentioned, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Okay, just quickly, and then I'll, I don't want you to forget oh, yeah. your question, Shane. But um, you reminded me, Josh, of something I, I talked about in my second book and End Upside Down Living, this idea of our, our limitations of perception. And 
there's a novella called Flatland where people in this imaginary world live on a two-dimensional plane. So it's like living on a piece of paper. And if you imagine a three-dimensional sphere intersects with that two-dimensional piece of paper, and you're living on that two-dimensional piece of paper, you see a circle. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You don't see the rest of the sphere. So I think that might be an analogy of what's going on, whether it's UFOs or just the broader reality. There's so much that we're only perceiving an angle of it. And we're all saying, look, it's a circle, but actually we're getting it wrong because we're not seeing the full picture. Right. Yeah, more to it. I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, we're limited in in our psyche and who we are. Well, and then Josh brought up that point. You know, you mentioned something, and we can we can, you know, we're let's just admit it as human beings, we're pretty goddamn self centered in our own right, right? We we're selfish. We were king of the world type thing, but we're not the only creatures that walk around with a so called brain in their head. Animals, you know, across the board. Um, There's been studies about that intuition not only for us, but for animals, or you talk about remote viewing, uh, where you, or snipers, for example, somebody that's following somebody in wartime, and there's people that have literally, you know, uh, reported, no, they, they, he, he, they sensed me. They turn around, they knew I was there. Like, we're not the only ones that do it. The animals are also part of that. And, and I don't know if you want to kind of go into, not a lot of detail, but just kind of explain what, what that, you know, what that may be, what that may look like. Yeah, it's an important concept because I think we are self-centered and think we're at the top of the food chain. When in reality, the way I see it is that this universal consciousness works its way through probably an infinite number of vehicles and a human being might be at one type, who knows what other types, meaning it has an infinite number of experiences. And the idea that many people believe, and I think it's probably partially true, at least that's what I theorize right now, is that consciousness is evolving and that's why we're all here Um so very quickly, the reasoning for, for that hypothesis, um, we know the reincarnation research exists at the University of Virginia, over 2,500 cases of children with past life memories. And these are hardcore scientists, doctors. They, they think that the most parsimonious explanation is reincarnation for that. But if you look at the near-death experience, um, people often report, and this is in the range of 20 to 25% of the cases reported, depending on which scientists you ask. Um, I actually heard an estimate 30% recently too. So in that range, 20 to 30%, people report a life review where they relive their whole life in what appears to be a flash. So something's happening with space and time. That's weird. Uh, But they relive the events through the eyes of the people that they impacted. And this has probably been for me the most life-changing phenomenon to learn about because I've interviewed people that have had the experience and read about it. And one of the guys I interviewed for my podcast, uh, Where Is My Mind? This is actually episode six and episode five is more on near-death experiences. But his name's Danian Brinkley, who has had four near-death experiences. It's pretty rare. To uh, wow. He was struck by lightning, had open heart surgery twice, brain surgery. And each time he had a life review where he had this, some people call it an empathic life review, meaning he literally felt the other people as if he were them, which aligns with this idea of a whirlpools in a stream. Mm-hmm. Somehow when the brain consciousness is liberated from, liberated from the brain, you get to be another whirlpool somehow. Um, but he told me that he relived his, his combat days in Vietnam. Meaning he felt what it was like to be the person oh, that he killed. No. Ugh. And I could tell when I talked to him and I've heard him in other interviews, he, he's shaken up by it still because he's had to relive that four different times. He told me the life review starts at the beginning of your life. So for him, he got to see his own progression. He also felt the pain of children who no longer had a father because he had killed the father in combat, even though it wasn't quite as strong. So there's something about the indirect effects of our actions. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then later in his life, so when he came back from his, his near-death experience, like many people, his whole life changed, became much less materialistic. He became a hospice volunteer to help people transition. Oh, wow. So, so in his later life reviews, he got to feel what it was like to be the dying person in the hospice bed and got to feel what it was like to be comforted by himself. Mm. So what people experience is the nature, the extent to which they were loving or unloving. This is what all the near-death experiencers say. And that was a long way of saying, if you combine the life review and treat that as a real phenomenon and a real possibility for our, you know, when we die, it's almost like there is a learning process that is enhanced with reincarnation. So it's like you did something in this life, you saw how you, whether you succeeded or failed, you learned either way, Mm -hmm. and you have another life, another experience. That probably holds true for everything in the universe, whether it's animals, other intelligences, multidimensional beings, extraterrestrials, whatever it is. To me, it's all about the greater cosmos evolving. So that, that, so that really goes down. You're explaining karma in certain yes. religious texts. I mean, that, people believe in that. You know, you come back bigger, better. Uh, my mom used to always tell me, oh, you're an old soul, da, 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 whatever that meant. I never did get what that meant. I still don't to this day to a certain point, but I've heard the term, um, you know, different times around. Uh, firmly believe that that it's there's got to be more than just the meat sacks we're carrying around right now. There's got to be. Yeah. It, it just, you know. So, so here's a question for you then. Where does this lead you, Mark? You know, you've got what three books out. Um, and, and I've, I've got two, I'm going to order the other. It's just fascinating stuff to read about and cover. You're very detailed. Uh, the researchers that you bring on, the scientists that you discuss, um, your podcast was fantastic. And again, folks, it, it's, I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, eight episodes, right, Mark? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Eight episodes, really easy. I mean, I knocked them out in a, in a couple of days. Um, and you, you systematically covered every phenomena that would be attached to this and brought in those, those experts to discuss it. Um, just well done for somebody who I, I will say for somebody who just started out to be just curious, like, Hmm, why am I driving to work? You sure as hell went far enough at this point <laughs> with your books and <laughs> everything else. Just very, very impressive. What else is on the horizon for you? Where do you anticipate this going? Well, for me, it starts with this, this question for my second book. What is the overall intention of your life? And where is my compass oriented? Because I think each of us has to have a firm answer to that question. It, it then governs the things that we do in life and the things we prioritize. And the more I've researched, the more, I would say, conviction I have in this overall worldview. And I get sometimes concerned with the term conviction because it implies certainty and I don't think there's certainty in all this. I, I view this whirlpool and stream analogy to be like a framework that's generally in the right direction, but I'm sure it will be refined and maybe I'll learn new things and change my perspectives. Um, but but if I, I hold that worldview with a lot of conviction and think about things like the life review and the reincarnation and, and karma, like you mentioned, Shane, even though karma might be way more complex than we can even ever understand, I do, I think about that a lot in terms of everything I do. Um, so that's the guiding compass. I don't know where it leads, but something that's coming up as you ask that question, um, I think in the in spiritual communities, there can be some confusion around the notion of good and evil. Because when you get really spiritual, what I find is that people are always talking about this unconditional love part of it, which is definitely what's experienced. And I agree, it's the nature of reality at the highest level. But we live in a, a world of, of duality where there's separation and it's yeah. not. So at some level, there's no evil. It's only unconditional love. But at the level at which we're speaking in the world that we're in, there is evil and there is good and there is immense suffering that comes from this stuff. So if you combine that notion with the idea of, of karma, um, I think there is a, a 
a notion of, of duty, like spiritual duty to try to do good things in the world and have an intention to try to help to alleviate suffering, mm-hmm. which, so again, there's a paradox. Suffering enables growth and evolution. And in that way, it's a good thing. But if you are an outsider observing others who are suffering, there could be things with your karma to not try to help, even if they don't listen or you can't help, there's almost an obligation to try. Mm -hmm. And so I would say generally, Shane, that's how I look at things. And I don't know where exactly exactly that's going to lead. But I do think on this planet and probably in the universe and, and beyond, there is immense evil that that has to be dealt with and is is hidden often oh it's not hidden it's on the news every day yeah i mean <laughs> yeah you know it's something that's there and i think that's very that's very well said mark and, and i think really to, to sum it up and then i, I can toss to john josh you guys got anything but you know whether you are religious whether you're not whatever faction you may or may not believe in i'll, I'll tell you honestly i i heard from for years that uh oh you know god keeps you on that moral path that it's god keeps you from not pointing that gun at that person no, oh, is that God or is that just you being a good person? Some of the mm-hmm. best people I've met are atheists. They don't believe in anything. When you, you're you dead, you're dead, and they will give the shirt off their back. So I think religion is irrelevant. I think just being a a good person and as best as you can morally um, is the key. You know, call it hippy-dippy, but I think there's something to be said about that for sure. You know? Yeah, agreed. So well said, well yeah. said. John, Josh, you got anything at all? Oh, um, no, a really it's, interesting conversation. Yeah, very fascinating. Um, this is, I, I feel like probably just like every other human alive, this topic bends my brain into a pretzel and it's one of the most fascinating things you can talk about or think about. You know, I keep going, the more I think about it, I don't know, I used to never be afraid of death and then like I've gone into a period of just like terrified. I can't believe like, I am going to die. I don't know. Like I, I'm just constantly thinking about this. So was, I, I can't wait to listen to this podcast that you have and read your books. And uh, yeah, no, it's just great talking to you. Fascinating. It's given me a lot to think about. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just good chatting. Thank you. Yeah. Um, where you're going is great. I, and I, I can't wait to kind of follow you down that uh, down that rabbit hole. Love to have you back on because I, I think it would be fun to just, you know, we've covered it in kind of a large gamut, but I think, to be honest with you, getting very specific about tying these things in that people just consider fringe and they don't pay attention to. You know, all this stuff is just weird shit that nobody pays attention to over here. There's proof that, that there's facts behind this. It's something. It ties into something. And, and really, hopefully, you know, scientists, more scientists open their eyes and, and they see that, you know, at, at the end of the day. So, but fantastic. Thank you for coming on, Mark. If you want to wait real quick, uh, we'll thank you off air. Uh, everybody, that was Mark Gober. Thank you. Sure. Thank you so much. So I, so I think that what I was going to say earlier before the interview, and I wanted to wait till after, is the, the whole fact with, with – so if this is a thing, right – you got a river, you know, you got water flowing. There's these little circles and bubbles that are our consciousness and they ebb and flow in the water and it's all tied together somewhere or another. We don't know where it's coming from. We don't know why. We don't know the purpose behind it. But, you know, just as we are reality, like, you know, you, John, and you, Josh, and myself, we're all sitting here. We're talking. We're conversating. We just got to interview in this fantastic individual, Mark Gober, um, only to realize that 
maybe there's a, a, the flip side of we're not ourselves. We're part of the consciousness. Like we're not this individual sentient thing. We belong to this. We're just past. a hive mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that Where paradox that? reminded me of just like, you know, a hive mind. Like yeah, we're, we're all part of this single consciousness mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. Well said. So if that's what we are, and I guess that's my question to you guys and answer it or don't answer it. How does that make you feel? Uh, I couldn't care less. Oh, well, I figured that. <laughs> like one, one way or the other, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't change what I perceive as reality right now. Yeah. You know what and, I mean? And I mean, it doesn't mean that I don't have to go to work tomorrow. Yeah. Like if I can hive mind my way out of that, then yes, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. It makes a difference to me. But like, as far as my day-to-day existence goes, not really like, I mean, I think it's an interesting theory and I'm not trying to poo poo it. Cause that sounded like a dismissive, um, answer. And, mm-hmm. and I, I don't think he's wrong at all. I'm not trying to like say that or anything. I'm just saying like, when you get into a meta metaphysical explanation of reality, <clears throat> if it's really nice to think about, but at the end of the day, like to answer your question more directly and less flippantly, Shane, if it doesn't, if it doesn't make a difference to my material existence, then it's kind of a moot point. Cause then you might as well be asking me if I think Jesus is real. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. I, I see. Like that. It's, it's whether I believe it or not, it's not going to change my, that I got to go to work tomorrow. Well, so yeah. I guess that this is my thing. Does it make you or not make you want to think about it more, be part of it more, be that better person, be part of the hive in a more positive positivity way like does it make you want to do that or does it really not change i don't think it changes anything with me personally Mm -hmm. because i've always tried to be the best person i can be and i know i'm not the best person i know i have things i can work on and but i think that's everybody in general Mm -hmm. but um you know and i try to be the best person i can be just thinking that when you die you die and that's it and everything goes black um I think there's a little more to that. I don't, I don't really believe that anymore because there's just too much. I don't want to say evidence, but like there's, there's too many strange things that have happened in this world to just believe that, you know, Mm -hmm. but it, you know, I've always strived to be a good person regardless of what I think is out there or not. I think it means more to be a good person if none of it fucking matters. You know what I mean? Well, like, yeah. I think that's where I was that's going always with been it. my personal yeah. feeling about it. Is yeah, uh, yeah I I'm not going to do the right thing because I'm worried about going to hell. I'm going to yeah. do the right thing because I think right. it's the right thing, and yeah, hell right. can be damned. Like exactly, yeah. yeah. I'm not trying to be good because Jesus Christ will save my soul. Yeah. I don't give a shit about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I get, I'm just I trying get, to be yeah. good because like I'm living here now. This is my reality, and I'm not trying to fuck over my neighbor. Yeah. And I also like, even though I really fucking hate my neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> I also uh, re- like have thought for a long time that like you know mutual aid and solidarity and taking care of your community is the only way out of the mess we're in right now. Anyway, so like throwing karma in the mix, it's like oh good, I guess I'll get like now uh, I have to juggle this flyer miles for <laughs> yeah, right. doing what I was going to do anyway. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, no. I mean, and I ask that because you know that's that's exactly how I feel. It doesn't take away from. You know, I'm not going to not stop doing it because I don't think there's this big fucking reward at the end of the, you know, pot at the end of big gold at the end of the, the trail. That's not the thing. You know, you just should do it just because, you know, ethically and morally, that's fucking just the right thing to do. 
you know, there's nothing yeah. to that, you know, and it just, I guess I wonder about other people on the earth that don't think that way. I suppose, you know, if there's not a big uh, cash prize at the end, you know, it's not worth it for them. And I guess more than anything, I don't, I don't get those people and I run into them a lot. So, you know, well, you, but yeah, that's them. I mean, they can do them all they want to, I guess, at the end of the day. Uh, I, you know, I think materialism is kind of a, like at least the way we think of it these days is mm-hmm. a newer aspect of human society. Mm. You yeah. know what I mean? Like if you look at, um, I'm trying to think of the right way to say it. Uh, so I saw like just, uh, was scrolling through like Instagram or something and saw a video of a native American guy that was just like, Hey, I want to like make sure that all you guys know something. And that's just that. And he's like walking through like a really picturesque, uh, winter wilderness scene and he's it's like there isn't a greater purpose to life and this is what I was thinking of uh, right towards the end of our conversation with Mark when I when I said maybe maybe our reason to be here is just to be here and and he was basically saying everyone's worried about like what difference they're going to make and, and who they're going to be and like all this this crazy shit but like maybe we just need to be here and be a part of nature and enjoy it and just enjoy being alive like exists yeah we're fucking animals dude maybe we just need to be more like our dogs and cats and less like our shitty neighbors that are super materialistic and yeah i mean it is true about, we know? forget that yeah. we're animals that we do we're all animals time. with you know some thumbs and a little bit more of yeah self-awareness a little, little too much time to think yeah well, and that's exactly i mean jesus you know if tony had opposable thumbs and he could make coffee for me in the morning. I won't have to worry about it, but yeah, no you know, kidding. that's not a thing. No, I agree. I mean, I, I think it's just something that sometimes just, you know, you just need to be here and present in life. I, I think, I don't know. It's just such a man. My mind hurts. My head hurts. I love I mean, it's, it's, it's the question that yeah. humans have been asking since the beginning of human civilization. Yeah. 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 And we'll be asking it as long. I don't think will ever answer the question. I don't think, you know, say the human species is still around and still evolving in, you know, 500,000 years. Mm. I don't think those people will be any closer to the great beyond than we are right now. Agreed. And I think some of it too is, you know, scientists as as scientific as they are and, and, you know, most of them great minds. That's why they do what they do. Um, we're still human beings. We're still, you know, a flawed species. Uh, you yeah. know, you're you're not going to get any better than that. I, I mean, yeah, and I, I at least think in a scientific way, you're not going to be able to prove it. You know, I'm sure, sure like sure. you, can, I'm sure you can take some DMT and touch the face of God and kind of have it figured out. You know, or you, you know, got it on you. Some, some <laughs> I wish <laughs> it's in your body. Or you know, chain. some some know. culture. You know, like Native Americans or so. Like I feel like maybe people were more in tune with the Earth back in the day before computers and technology and agree you know the industrial revolution and all that they, they didn't have all this stuff that is well, in okay their face. So, and i mean know. i love all this stuff i love that the lights are on i like that i can talk to you guys and be in my living room well i'm not in my living room but you know <laughs> well, i'm not i'm not saying i hate modern convenience i'm just saying yeah. like maybe people back in the day were a little more in tune with like the earth sure sure yeah, and I think the thing that I was having a hard time trying to figure out to say was like, because I didn't want to say more primitive cultures, because I don't think that they're necessarily primitive. They're just not caught up in the materialistic right. bullshit that is modern life so yeah. much. You know, like they know more than I do about surviving. Yeah. yeah, 
Like, well, hey, go, I, go kill that bear. What? Like a oh. global thing. I think, you know, just cultures that are less, less focused on material shit. It seems like people in those cultures tend to be happier. Less distractions, yeah. you know, and that's one of the reasons I asked him, you know, in his, in his research, his studies, you know, if, if he saw a, a group of people in a certain time that seemed like they're more in tune to what this may be, you know, whatever, whatever it is, you know, so I, and, and I always wonder about that. Yeah, we, we've got, we're full of distra- distractions. We just are, you know, I, I mean, as much as, oh man, I'm a great multitasker. It's not really a good thing. You know, sometimes yeah. you got to stop and smell the roses and, uh, you know, yeah. not have all this other shit pervade you on a constant basis you know mm-hmm. well so. and like i didn't mean anything that i've said to like say that i disagree with anything mark was saying because i think a lot of it's like pretty interesting and, mm-hmm. and i mean it, it's interesting and it makes sense like it makes as much sense as other things yeah thank you like i always whenever someone starts talking about like expanded reality it makes me think of keel's super spectrum and i mean maybe that's just me trying to shoehorn my favorite theory into fucking everything <laughs> no i'm glad you brought <laughs> but, it up though because it it really is a it's a very he laid down a very interesting theory that just as mark is writing about researching about and we think about you know it he helps tie what this other thing may be together mm-hmm. into yeah, our, i mean maybe you know. the river is the super spectrum yeah 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 you know something he said about it you know yeah, um, amazing, amazing. You know, Mark, if you listen to this podcast, thanks for coming on. I'd love to have him back. And I think just in more detail than anything else, I really wanted to dive into, um, again, childhood regression memories, animal instincts, things like this, you know, it, because we just we just think we're so self-centered. You know, there's other things out there with the brain, and does that share in this consciousness, whatever it may look like? And I think maybe, you know, if you if you think about it, I tend to agree with Mark. Yeah, yeah, maybe there's different stages that consciousness goes through, different vessels it has. It's not just us. We're not the only ones just because we can walk and talk and chew gum at the same time. There's the other things around us that we need to pay attention to, and um, there's something mm-hmm. about that. You know, so I want to say that it was Rupert Sheldrake who he mentioned having on who Mark mentioned having on his podcast that did a bunch of research into uh, basically like the consciousness isn't the right word, but like the um, psychicness of animals and how uh, like your dog and your cat know when you're coming home and not like because you're pulling up the driveway like he did a full on study of having people leave not just their work, but like regular places, just random places at random times Mm -hmm. and making a note of when they would, were deciding to come home. And meanwhile, they had like, you know, the cameras, people have in their living rooms, watching their pets and stuff. Um, and they would notice that like within minutes of the time, the person was either deciding to come home or, uh, got the phone call from the study saying like, okay, you've been out running errands for, a random allotment of time let's go now uh they would always almost always see a reaction from the animal like once that decision was made to go home like they could sense that well and i can detest to that too because you know the dogs fucking hate me they love the wife completely but literally she can be going hey i'm down at the store uh such and such and they will like tony his ears perk up and she's a mile down the road 
Yeah, like I've seen it happen. I, I've seen the reaction. They just know, and it's not the same time. It's not you know like four thirty on the dot every day. It, it's yeah, a that weird randomization of it was yeah. was important. And it's yeah. not that they hear your car because yep, nothing to do with that. You know, yeah. you're still across town. Yeah. Well, and so I had a uh, person that I a coworker uh, today talk about random things in deja vu. Uh, I had something that I didn't get any sleep last night. Things were on my mind. Um, and I talked to this individual about it, and, and I just like, yeah, I got, I got to, I'm going to talk to this person because I think it will help work through some of these things. And uh, and I called them, and they're like, oh yeah, I had this exact same conversation uh, this morning with um, my manager, and da da da. Like we just it, when you talk about synchronicities, they fascinate me, and and they like are strange. Said, they are strange. And John, matrix. something you said too is I, t- I tend to. And I cannot remember who we had on. Maybe you guys are Mary Hensley, I want to say, where they said you need to pay attention to the synchronicities and pay attention to the things that just strike you odd. The more you yeah. pay attention to them, it trains you and practices you to get into that mindset. Mm. And and I really try, and I know you have John in the past and Josh, and I, it's just fascinating. Fascinating. I try, but I still shrug it off like, oh, that was weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I try, but I also don't want to start ascribing significance to just anything random ass that's, yeah exactly that's like, how you I, turn I, into a I'm, I'm, yeah i gotta tell them that's why i just like go anyone says yeah. yeah that's why i like i make a note of it mm-hmm. and i say huh yeah and then i just move on with my life and don't like <laughs> don't okay yes yes yeah, yeah. yes john the you are a conjunction king. is coming <laughs> you are a king as you, as you answer the door the postman's there and you got fucking socks on your hands oh thank you yeah you're into that <laughs> yeah. fucking thing so i i notice it and then i move on with my life yeah um fair enough yeah because i mean i'm not gonna i'm never gonna say i'm psychic things well, well on you know, and to be fair, like I, I have to do that or else I'll start going fucking nuts. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, if, if I don't say, all right, cool. I noticed it and move on. Then I will like obsess about it and never just get rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then, you truly much, yeah. Yep. then you're truly down. Then you're truly down the rabbit hole. But man, and I don't that's know. the thing is like, awesome. I'll never answer it. So it's like, just recognize it and move on with your life. Yeah. Well, I think recognizing half of it though. I think there's yeah. something you said about that, you know, for sure. But um, anyway, thank you, Mark, for coming on. That's fantastic. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, all uh, will all be live uh, next week. By the time this drops again, um, Patreon listeners just want to say thank you. Had some great feedback. Uh, again, we talked about the John Mack episode. That actually was a recommendation from one of the Patreon members. Um, and uh, it was awesome research. And, and we've got a couple more recommendations that we'll just kind of funnel into there. And then we've got a couple guests lined up that are, we already have booked that uh, they should come through. And, and again, this season we're, ton- we're kind of getting out of the, I don't know, the typical Bigfoot ghost you know ufo talk you know there's more to it and definitely this conversation was uh was part of that i I think it's neat to kind of add this to our to our library you know so uh if you have a recommendation you have anything that we didn't think of which i'm sure is plenty in regards to mark gober having him on and and this whole consciousness thing you can write us at strange strange uncles at gmail.com you can call us at 801-252-6945 i'm going to speed right past it because i do not have it on my hey yeah right well make sure you bring it for next week so some one of us have it that's your job yeah well you know i'm gonna 
delegate it. How's that sound? You had like 900 job shit. New season, uh, old soundboard. Yeah, right. Same, same bullshit. <laughs> so. uh, welcome to the new season. Same uh, old soundboard. Yep, yep. Same old, same old. Uh, how but to give we... Shane credit, he's the one that works the hardest on this, so we can't oh, yeah. do too much shit. Uh, I appreciate it. It's fun. You know, if nothing else, this is what keeps me keeps me sane and, and the socks off my hands, for sure. So, uh, where are we on social media? Oh, we are at Strange Uncles Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and Strange Uncles on Twitter and <laughs> YouTube. I think we covered it. Okay, there you go. Um, looking forward to hearing from you guys. Looking forward to seeing you guys next week. Looking forward to um, some new episodes and uh, guests that we have lined up. We'll keep the churns rolling. And, uh, yeah, you guys got anything else? Nope. Uh, thank you for listening. Close the gates.